0: Thank you. I leaned over to Stacy. I said, I thought I was supposed to be preaching today. This is, uh, (laughs) we all need friends, people that can get in our face, that can speak the truth to us, don't we? We need peers. And I want to tell you, I know this man, he and I have been able to Uh, meet with other senior pastors and leaders and just talk about the stuff we're going through and be very real. And we call ourselves Storm Brothers. And uh, I'll show you a picture of one of the times we met at my place in Denver. These are all senior pastors. The best looking one is the one at the back, Uh, the the guy with the glasses, not the guy with the hat. No, I'm kidding. And, And Man, I am just so grateful for, for men of God. I mean, men and women, but men of God that I can say, hey, I'm struggling with this, and they can speak the truth into my life. And and so I'm grateful for you, Adi, as well, and um, a covenant friendship. So uh, by the way, I, I brought some of my books. You, you guys, are, if you haven't picked up one of my books, and if you can't afford it, I want you to have one. i got them out in the foyer, okay? I've got two books. One's... This one's focused on teenagers, primarily if you know one who someone's struggling with their calling. It's called the dreamer. And uh, the other one is an explanation of God's character in the middle of suffering. So, okay, so uh, whenever, whenever there is a prophetic word coming from someone on the outside, it should not be taken as a word of the Lord without the confirming voices of the leadership in that location, and the congregation, and so I want to I want to submit to you. When <clears throat> Pastor Oddie said, "Hey, could you bring a word for us?" I went before the Lord, and I felt God give me a word. Which then, when I look at Isaiah fifty-four, uh, it actually dovetails with it. But it wasn't on purpose that I I did this. I felt like God give me four words from this passage of scripture. I'm calling this message "God of the Impossible," and I'm going to read you then uh, from a different version than I'm going to unpack here in a few moments, because uh, there are over a hundred versions of the Bible in English. Uh, <laughs> because you know, in English, we have—we just went over a million words in the English language. Because we invent words, we steal words from French and other languages. The next highest language, I think, it's five hundred thousand. And we've got over a million words, so, but, so let me read it from the New Living Translation to you. This is, this is the word I felt, and I'm going to then pull out four words I felt were specific for you. After Lot had gone, the Lord said to Abram, Look as far as you can see in every direction, north and south, east and west. I am giving all this land, as far as you can see, to you and your descendants as a permanent possession. And I will give you so many descendants that, and and even the desolate descendants and those that are, you know, if revival comes, just think about the Jesus movement. It was the down and outers and the hippies. And are we ready to, to receive all of them into our midst, right? And your descendants, like the dust of the earth, they cannot be counted. Go and walk through the land in every direction, for I am giving it to you. Lord, I pray the word that you put on my heart, that you would... Bring this forth to us today with clarity in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, first word I felt was Genesis 13. So this is 14, 15, 16, and 17. One word out of each, each passage. What Not word, literal word, but a word of the Lord from each one. Uh, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are. So this is what Genesis 13 verse 14 says. So what is the place where you are? Well, it's the place of God's faithfulness in your life individually, but also as a congregation, the place of God's faithfulness over the last 36 years of Calvary Church that started in a little sewing shop in Hernando in 1987 that's the place where you are. And God is saying, this is what I felt him saying. And i I just been jotting all this down over the last uh, two weeks. And then uh, this morning, early in the morning, uh, tell them I have not called them to stay in the place where they are. In order to inherit what I am wanting to give to them, they have to lift up their eyes. And so, lift up. Can we put up that first point then? Lift up your eyes from the place where you are. Be careful that the stuff of the minutiae of everyday life doesn't keep you from seeing the vision of God. Okay? Don't, don't let the trees keep you from seeing the forest. And so, I was... Um, so I'm, I'm a Bible teacher, okay? And so I want to I bring this prophetic word through through Bible teaching. And another Bible teacher that I know of, he was uh, traveling to speak in a place called Mount Pleasant, Michigan. And he took his wife on this trip. They flew into Detroit, rented a car, and they began to drive. And it's, it's like a two-and-a-half, three-hour drive. And uh, so to... Past the time they started to play the alphabet game. Have you ever done that on the road? Where you you have to spot an A, and if you see an A anywhere, then you get to go to a B and a C, and then whoever gets to Z or or Z, uh, um, as we say in Australia, you win the game. And normally his wife would beat him, but on this particular occasion she got stuck on Q, and so he really wanted to beat her. he arrived at Q as well. They're both on Q, and so he's looking for a quality in sign or a Quaker State Oil or a license plate with a Q. Uh, and the next thing he sees is a sign. There's over two hours into their journey from leaving Detroit Airport, um, Detroit 34 miles. And he, he thought, some idiot has planned a practical joke and put up a sign that says Detroit 30. Because you never, you never think you're the one in the wrong, at least I don't always. I first think it's someone else's fault. <laughs> it's like, I'm not, I'm not saying it's your fault. I'm blaming you. Um, so so I, <laughs> uh, I, one time I, was, I remember I was in a bathroom washing my hands, and then a lady, a little older lady walks in, <gasps> and I thought, lady, read the sign on the door. And then I go out, and it says women. <laughs> so <clears throat> we never think we're the ones in the wrong, but this is what had happened. So, so he and his wife are driving to Mount Pleasant, and they get to East Lansing and end up going around the loop on the south of East Lansing and are back on on, on uh, the freeway on Interstate 96 to Detroit. They they missed the big picture because they were so focused. He was so focused on the details. And so be careful that you don't get caught up in the place where you are. That's the word. The first word I felt is don't just be short-sighted, but look. Lift up your eyes. What does it say again? Lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are. Lord, I pray that these guys would be able to, to, to see your vision, what you have in mind. Amen. Second word. Second word is perceive what God is giving to you. Perceive exactly what it is. And and this is hard because perception doesn't happen immediately. It's a process, right? The The being able to really quantify the vision of what God is saying. And so for Abram, it was the promised land. This is what God said, verse 15. He said, for all the land that you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. Um, so uh, what is it for you that God is wanting you to perceive? Uh, there's only one way to find out, and that is the word of the Lord. What did God say? What what did God God say. Not what you're comfortable with. Listen, church, not what you're comfortable with. Not what you can handle. Not what, uh, well, uh, I think this would be a good idea, right? Sometimes Jesus tells us to do things that are not a good idea, right? I mean, think, think of the disciples out on the Sea of Galilee, they 're bummed out because Jesus died, and so they go fishing that 's their comfort zone, and then they see someone on the on the shore, and it 's Jesus and he 's yelling out instructions, Throw the net on the other side I mean, can you imagine Peter going, "Oh, thank you, Lord we hadn 't thought of that Good idea, <laughs> and there 's only two sides to a boat. You think they 've been out all night? They threw the net every which way, throw the net on the other, and then they couldn 't pull. It in because there were so many fish. It didn't work because it was a good idea. It worked because Jesus said it. Oh, yeah. What is he saying? What did he say to you? That's the key. The word of the Lord. And it might be bigger than you. It might be scary. It might be impossible, but he is the God of the impossible. So Lauren Cunningham, who started YWAM, I heard him say this one time. I never want to be involved in something that's not bigger than me. Because if not, there's no need for God. If you can handle it, you don't need him. I never want to be involved in something that's not bigger than me. Because if not, there's no need for God. So the walk of faith is a process. God doesn't give you the whole panorama at once. And it works like this. The walk of faith has three parts. God speaks, I obey, then he brings the understanding. And what's frustrating about that is it would be a lot easier if let us reverse steps two and three, wouldn't it? God speaks, then he explains it carefully so I'm comfortable, and then I obey. But no, he wants us to obey because if you reverse steps two and three, you eliminate the most important part, which is faith. Faith involves God speaks, I obey, and then the understanding comes. So in the first service, I was telling them of one of my heroes who just went to be with the Lord. His name was Don Richardson. And Linda, my wife, and I used to live across the street from Don and Carol Richardson. They had just returned from uh, Dutch New Guinea. It was called Irian Jaya back then. It's a different name now. Uh, God called them to go to this Stone Age group of cannibals. Okay. Can you imagine you graduate from Bible school as a missionary, and you and your wife and God speaks to you, go to this tribe. They were called the Sawis. That was the name of the tribe in Dutch New Guinea. And their family tried them to talk them out of it, and don't take Carol. They said, if you're intent on going, just go alone. Don't take your wife and baby. But they prayed, and God said, go as a family. They get over there. The guy who takes them up in this canoe leaves very quickly after he drops them off, and there they are standing in in knee-deep water on a beach. And they walk up, and they're surrounded by 200 of these Sawweeds, women and children, and all the men are in war paint and with spears. Okay, these are cannibals. Dong says he he thought, Lord, did I miss you? <laughs> you know, uh, and And then they're silent, which kind of added to the fear. They're just standing there, surrounded by these people. And then someone yelled out, Asa! And they all started jumping up and down and and dancing. And they had heard of these uh, sickly-looking, pale people who had come to some of the other tribes and brought medicine and healing. And they were so excited that they had come. And they welcomed them in. Carol was a nurse. Later on, she was saving one person a day through just modern medicine she had brought to the soulways. But Don wanted to translate the scriptures. And so he first needed to learn the language. And he says, so he he went, he pointed at a woman and they said, Didik. And he then he pointed to a man, Didik. Didik and Didik, and then to a dog, Didik, and a pig, Didik, and a fish, Didik. And it's like he said, God. Did you bring me all the way around the world here to a people that have one word? And uh, it turned out, it turned out didik meant finger. Um, because <laughs> in, their, in their culture, you didn't point at things, you motioned with your mouth like that, see? And so he began to learn the language, translate the scriptures, but he got to this total impasse because he's sitting around every day with the tribal elders translating one of the synoptic gospels. I think it was the Gospel of Mark. And when when he got to the place where Judas betrayed Jesus, they just roared with laughter. And he thought, you know, I probably messed this up. He went back again and again. They laughed. And it turns out their culture had been so messed up through years of demon worship that the most virtuous thing for them was betrayal. It was treachery. It was It was. to, they even had a saying, fatten someone up with friendship for the slaughter. So they'd betray someone, and when they least expected it, they'd kill them and eat them. And that was the ultimate virtue. Okay, now that's a problem. <laughs> but, but the bigger problem when you're trying to share the gospel is that Judas was the hero of the Bible story, not Jesus. And it was just so frustrating. Fast forward about nine months or a year, and... Don and Carol decided, you know, we're just going to leave. And the chief pleaded with them not to leave. And Don said, well, you're always fighting. And the chief said, well, there is a way that we can have peace. And they looked on to the ceremony where the other tribe they were warring with came out of the jungle. And they lined up in front of them. And a child was given. In fact, it was the chief's only son was given to the other tribe to be raised in that tribe. And that child was called a peace child. Anyone read the book, Peace Child? If you, if you come across that book, it's incredible. It's almost as good as my books. <laughs> and, uh, and, but but here's, here was the revelation. Don said to the chief, but what if someone betrays and kills the peace child? And the chief said, no, you can betray someone else, but, you, but it's wrong to betray a peace child. immediately. Don and Carol had what they called the redemptive analogy. And they gathered the tribe together and they explained that Jesus was the peace child that God had sent to make peace between us and him. Wow. They could understand the gospel. Most of them came to Christ. There's still, I think 70% of them are still believers. They have this huge hut that's their church in the Solways. Wow. But it started with a man who was willing to take his wife and, and little baby to a cannibal group in Dutch New Guinea. Sometimes God tells us to do crazy things. God speaks, then what? I obey. That's the next step. What what has God said? What is he saying to you? Embrace that. Say this after me. Followers of Jesus don't always know where he's going. They just know that they are following Jesus <laughs> follow him in what he's saying third word that i felt for you can you put up 16 yeah this is it look at verse 16 i will make your offspring as the dust of the earth so that if one can count the dust of the earth your offspring also can be counted now go back to the to the point here uh God's vision is bigger than what we are aware of. I felt God challenging you that it's bigger than Inverness, that God's vision is bigger than Florida. It's bigger than this nation. There's something that God has in store. And and the significance of this word God gave to Abram is that his wife was barren, okay, when God told him this. It had to be a miracle. Uh, Now, skeptics would say, well, God didn't do that because... I mean, the dust of the earth, and earlier he said, like the stars of the heaven, that didn't happen. Part of the the reason here is that in Scripture, there are some things that are literal, but there are also things that in their culture are used to emphasize things. Because in the Hebrew and Greek languages, there there are no punctuation points. There are no exclamation marks, no commas, no periods, no paragraph breaks, and so... How would they underscore something? And in their culture, they would do it through hyperbole. They would, they would exaggerate it. Seventy times seven. See, or, or, you know, the curse of parents whose sin uh, is passed on to the third and fourth generation, but God's blessing on those who serve him Thousands of generations. I, I was mentioning mathematically, if you think of this, what is the larger of the two, three or four? It's four, right? So the curse is passed down to three or four generations. What is the smallest amount of the word thousands? Two thousand. So four goes into two thousand five hundred times. The blessing of God is five hundred times more than the curses that come from our parents' sins. Okay, if you wanted to just look at that mathematically. But in the Bible, God uses these things. And so when God said, it's going to be like the dust, okay, that you can't count it. God is basic, basically wanting to say, and what he said to Abraham, it's going to be far-reaching, more than you can imagine. That's what I feel God is saying to you. It's bigger than you might think. God wants to bless the nations through you. God said this to Abraham, Genesis twelve 2. I'm going to bless you, Abraham. Now, why? Just look at the Scripture. Why is God going to bless you? Why would He want to bless you? Why would He want this vision to come to pass? So that you will, what does it say? Be a blessing. It's not just for you. In fact, God never intended just to bless the Jewish people. It was always so that all of the earth would be blessed through Jesus. That was His heart. The last word. The last word I felt is... Verse 17, arise and walk. So you can look up above the place where you are and perceive what God wants to do and understand that it's bigger than you and that he wants to bless others. But unless you step out, it's not going to happen. What are the steps of obedience he's requiring of you? I don't know what that is. You know, it, for some of you, it's giving. For others, it, it might be stepping out in other ways. What is it that God is saying to you? Is it scary? 100%. But if you have the word of the Lord, it's not presumptuous. The difference between faith and presumption is this. God said it. And so... Dr. Francis Schaefer. Next week, I'm going to be in Lausanne, Switzerland. Dr. Francis Schaefer started what's called the Labrie Institute. And in his book, How Should We Then Live? Anyone ever read that book? How Should We Then Live? He tells this story of a group of tourists up in the Alps. And all of a sudden, they're engulfed in a whiteout condition. And snow is covering the pathway up. And the tour guide moves them incrementally out to the edge of this cliff and they can't see anything because of the whiteout and he uses just this is not a true story but he uses an illustration to bring forth a principle he says i don't know how we're going to get down we're probably going to die up here because the temperature was dropping and one of the tourists said this what if i was to to step off the edge of the cliff or hang off and there was a ledge and I stayed on the ledge. Would I die? And the tour guide thought for a minute, and he said, no, you, you would have a good chance of surviving because uh, you'd be out of the mainstream of the storm. Okay, if that guy jumps off the cliff, that's presumptuous, right? That's called a blind leap of faith. Then Dr. Schaefer gives almost the same scenario. They're up there. They're engulfed in a whiteout condition, the tour guide says, I don't know how we're going to get down. We're probably going to freeze up here. And then they hear the voice of what sounds like an older man, an elderly man from the other side of the ravine. I've lived up here for 60 years. I know exactly where you are. And if you hang off the cliff, there's a ledge. And I'll come and get you in the morning. And his voice trails off. Now, if they if they jump off the cliff, it's scary. But it's not a blind leap of faith. It's Faith in that man's word and in its character that he's telling the truth. And that's all he is asking of you, to trust him, to take that leap. But, 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 yeah, is it scary? Absolutely. But take it. Take the step God has for you. Personally, there are things he wants you to do. But beyond that, corporately, there are things he wants you to do like this. You remember... The Indiana Jones movies, and the last one, The Last Crusade, and my, my favorite part next to the clip I'm going to show you is when when Sean Connery is shooting at the Nazis, and he actually then shoots off the rear of the rudder of the plane by mistake, but um, but here, this part is called A Blind Leap of Faith, but you know what, it really wasn't A Blind Leap of Faith, because, because He was reading the instructions of how to get to the chalice. So, here it is. This is the picture that came to my mind. This is where you're at. That's Otis, right there. Only a leap from the lion's head. Yes, Lord. Uh, So, if you do the possible, God will do the impossible. He's not asking you to do the impossible. He's just asking you to do the possible, which sometimes is that step of faith that's scary. Just do what you can. You might might say, what's that? I don't know. Just you listen to him and do what he's telling you. So, I mean, if God says... Go to Tampa, you get in your car and you drive to Tampa. If, if you don't have a car, okay, borrow a car or, or get on the bus. I don't know if there's a bus to Tampa from here. Or, 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 or if, if there's no bus, hitchhike to Tampa. It's that direction, okay? Or, or walk. If you can't walk, crawl. Start crawling. If you can't crawl, just point in that direction and fall, <laughs> just, just do what you can. Do the possible. Amen? Yeah, are you willing to do that? So, so I want to submit this to you because, like I said, this needs to be something that fits with what God is saying to you. But the four words taken from Genesis 13, 14 through 17, lift your eyes and look from the place where you are. Perceive what God is wanting to give to you, understanding that the perception comes gradually, it begins to dawn, and then it's bigger than you. And because it's bigger than you, it's going to require some seemingly, humanly impossible steps of obedience, and then arise and walk, take the step of faith. Can you stand with me? I'll us. Let me invite you back up here. Lord, we say like the prophet Jeremiah who said, Lord, you made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. Lord, we say that we we will not insult you with unbelief. Lord, if you say it, That's good enough. We're going to step out because we know we can trust your word and your character. This is not a blind leap. It's not our invention, but we are just following the word of the Lord. And we thank you that you're a God who communicates. You're not like the gods of the pagans who are made of of wood and and steel or, or stone, but you are the living God. You're walking with us now. You speak to us. We thank you for that. We follow you. And we thank you that you're with us. You don't just tell us to go. You walk with us. Lord, we thank you for that. Amen.